0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics, and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things.
1: Over the course of the past year, I've hosted several shows exploring China, its long history, its economic success and growth in the last 40 years, and its big ambitions for the 21st century. It's a vast subject, something Americans need to know much more about, and one where I feel that I have barely scratched the surface. But one thing has become very clear to me. China is no champion of human rights as we conceive of them in the West. The most recent Congressional Executive Commission on China reports that, while the Chinese economy has grown dramatically, The Chinese Communist Party has become even more deeply committed to preserving its monopoly on power through state-sponsored repression, surveillance, and indoctrination. So to learn more about human rights in China, I've asked two people, now three people, with firsthand experience to join me on today's show. Reggie Littlejohn is the founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, a graduate of Yale Law School, and an experienced litigation attorney. She is an acclaimed international expert on China's one child policy. Her organization has been called the leading voice in the battle to expose and oppose forced abortion and the sex selective abortion of females in China. Welcome, Reggie.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Uh, Chen Guancheng is a Chinese civil rights lawyer and activist who has been a persistent voice for freedom, human dignity and the rule of law in his native country. Working in rural communities in China, where he was known as the barefoot lawyer, Chen advocated for the rights of disabled people and organized class action litigation against the government's violent enforcement of its one-child policy. Blind since his childhood, Chen is self-taught in the law. His human rights activism resulted in his imprisonment by the Chinese government for four years. Beginning in 2006, after his release, he remained under house arrest until his escape from confinement in 2012, whereupon he came to the United States where he is now a distinguished fellow at Catholic University's Center for Human Rights. Welcome, Chen. Thank you, I'm glad to be here to talk with you. <laughs> Delighted to have you here. And helping out and, and assisting, and as a, a, as a fourth voice or third voice in the show is Hushan Zhang, who's senior editor Uh, of the China branch for the Voice of America, uh, who will be helping interpret for uh, uh, Guanchang. And we'll also have uh, some points of view that we want to have you hear hear from you. Thank you. It's an honor. Looking forward to the conversation. Reggie, how did you get involved in uh, this issue?
2: Well, it it all kind of happened because I was a litigation attorney in uh, San Francisco in the 90s. Uh, and I represented a Chinese refugee in her case for political asylum in the United States. And she was persecuted as a Christian and forcibly sterilized. And what I mean by that is that... When,
1: when was this? This
2: was, this was in the mid-90s Mid, when I okay. represented her. Right. So this is a while back. Yeah. Uh, so what, I re- what happened to her is that she, uh, I guess, violated the one-child policy at the time. She had two children. So she was literally picked up and dragged from her home held down to a table, she was um, sliced open, her tubes were tied, all of this without anesthesia. And so she was, was had permanent disabilities because of that. And I just remember sitting behind my desk in, in San Francisco thinking, here I am li- living the American dream and there are women on the other side of the world who are getting forcibly sterilized, forcibly aborted up to the ninth month of pregnancy uh, and so I dedicated Briefly,
1: my
3: life. Briefly, the one-child policy, um, Guan What the one-child policy? What is what is what what is that? Oh, actually, The one-child
0: policy in China has always been enforced through violence. As early as 2005, the Communist Party committees passed indications, passed orders which says forget about law, let's just do the one-child policy.
1: And it was enforced, it was created to because of t- population control?
2: Right. So under the Mao era, Chairman Mao had um, th- th- encouraged women to have babies, they, about six babies per woman. So then when Deng Xiaoping came into uh, power, he said, oh, my gosh, we've got this population explosion on our hand. And, and, and just started the one-child policy. It started in about 19...
1: He came in in 76, so that would have been late 70s
2: well it was it was 79 or 80 depending on when when you want to count it but it has been enforced through forced abortion forced sterilization and infanticide since the beginning
1: and now that proved to be a problem because of a growing imbalance between boys and girls and this brings us to your issue Reggie because boys were perceived as more valuable than girls
2: Right. So in China, ironically, um, the, the uh, Chinese Communist Party does not really uh, take care of its elderly at all. So what they what the elderly have in China is sons to help them uh, to live in their old age. And if you have only one kid, people wanted that one child to be a boy because they felt that they had a choice of either committing gendercide um, against the girls or facing poverty in their old age. And at its height, the gender imbalance was 121 boys born for every 100 girls born. And that's led to a situation where there's an estimated 37 million more men living in China than women. And that is leading to human trafficking and sexual slavery and all kinds of other unintended consequences.
1: And and Guan Cheng, this was your issue from the beginning in rural China. You saw this, you were appalled, and you took steps to... uh to 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 call attention to it and 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 end it, particularly the forced abortions and the what do you call it, the gender side.
2: Yeah, gender side.
1: Yeah.
3: 对这个事情呢，当就说中共开始有了计划生育法以后，法律当中明确规定的，中共所做的这些对妇女强抓、对家人强抓、对胎儿强制堕胎这些，从法律上讲都是违反中国的宪法、侵犯中国公民权利的。但是这个事情就像一个运动一样在我们那个地区广泛地推开实际上当然是全国性的。这个时候我觉得我们有义务把这样一个坦污人道的这样一个暴行去阻止它, 并且让世界知道在中国发生了什么。The
0: family planning law of the Chinese Communist Party clearly says that they can use force against women。against their family members, and they can use forced abortion, which is clearly in violation of the Chinese constitution. But this is what has been going on all these years. That's why we are
1: fighting this. And even though China, I guess, announced a two-child policy, the two-child policy really hasn't changed much. And... I guess my question is, you all got involved in this 20 years ago. Is it still as pervasive today as it was then?
2: Well, well, just in terms of the two-child policy, as as Wang Chung said, um, before they would kill every kid after one, now they kill every kid after two. It doesn't stop forced abortion, and it doesn't stop the forced abortion of of, uh, unmarried women. I would say that it is less pervasive now than it was 20 years ago. And part of that is one of the reasons that they were um, that, that the Chinese Communist Party gave to reduce it uh, from a one-child policy to a two-child policy was international pressure and criticism. And Guangcheng and I have been the ones you who've know, been who've been pressuring the government more than anybody else to so, end these atrocities.
1: So there's been some success because of the contra- because of the sacrifice you made, four years in jail and and, and detention. <laughs>
3: There
0: has been some progress, but things have not changed fundamentally. The whole system, the whole family planning system is still intact.
3: 中共就派小分队到农村去抓怀孕的妇女 呃,
0: a few years ago, the Communist Party used to send groups to rural areas to grab pregnant women if they, can't, if they couldn't find them to arrest their family members, even their neighbors. These people would be in jail for a few days, even for a few months. Things like this have improved a little bit.
1: But but cutting through this, it doesn't seem like there's a, there's a legal system that prevents this from happening. It seems to me, we've got a Yale Law School grad here. It seems to me like this terrible thing's happening and you've got no, you've got no course of uh, no way to respond.
2: Something that people in America need to understand is that when, when our. US Supreme Court promulgates a law, the whole nation has to obey it. That's not the case in China. China is much more decentralized than the United States so that the Chinese government, even Beijing, can say, we're going to do this. And the provinces still have a lot of autonomy. Uh, And so on the provincial level, on the municipal level, according to the Congressional Executive Commission on China, there are many laws that say you need to forcibly abort women who do not have permission to have babies. And that that remains up to this day. And, And if a woman tries to file a lawsuit saying, I was illegally forcibly aborted, the courts will not take those suits They will not hear the, the case. And a lot of times the, the lawyer who brings the case will be detained.
1: The question for an American, an American who's new to this issue, and I would put myself very much in that category, is it is it seems like the Communist Party control over virtually every aspect of what happens in China is near total. Is that is that an overstatement? Is that accurate? Uh,
2: Demographically, it makes no sense whatsoever for China to continue with the one child policy, the two child policy, a three child policy, any, um, any course of population control because they need more people. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they have a rapidly aging population. They have a steep decline in their workforce and they need more people. So, why are they keeping the, this course population control? It's for the reason that you state. I believe it is social control masquerading as population control because the one-child policy or the two-child policy, whatever system that they have, whatever number they have, touches everyone. Now, you you look at different human rights violations. You you look at lawyers that are being detained or religious persecution or the persecution of ethnic minorities. All of these are slices of Chinese society, Mm -hmm. but the one-child policy touches every womb, Every family in China, and it's a way to control the entire population
3: through intimidation. In China is that 你比如说计划是一个问题,中共可以下达这个命令,让他们不接入那出现人被抓走被打甚至被逼迫死亡的情况,那报警警察不出警。你到法院起诉法院不立案到检察院控告检察院不受理就这样一个状态。in
0: reality, it's not an overstatement to say the Chinese Communist Party controls everything, every aspect of social life in China。Sometimes they couldn't do that because of the backwardness of their science and technology. But it is a fact that if the Chinese, Chinese Communist Party wishes, they could order the police department, the courts, to refrain from getting involved in violations of human rights, especially in regard to family planning matters. If they tell the courts the police to stand aside, they are not stopping these violations of human rights.
3: 1992, 從那以後就包括05年我們調查中國的暴力事件,好多人在這個過程中被逼死。但這樣的事情就是你在報導媒體的時候,他們就這些記者就告訴我說,非常遺憾,90年他們給我們下達了一個禁令,這個禁令到現在沒有辦法取消,那我們寫了文章也發不出去,編輯會審查了,所以這個就一點辦法。In
0: 1992, the Chinese Communist Party issued an order through its propaganda department Telling the media not to report any violations in the course of enforcing family planning laws. So in nineteen ninety-five, Guangcheng and some friends went to a media reporter who told him, sorry, we can't do anything. We can't publish anything on family planning
2: matters.
0: So mm.
3: he 国家协政府来奴役中国人民一点部分中国的政治体制完全不是一个正常政府的概念。所以我们不要用西方的这种政府的概念来理解中国共产党对于中国中国人民这种绑架和挟的关系。In
0: fact, the Chinese Communist Party has kidnapped the Chinese government and the Chinese people。This is not a normal state of governance。what is understood in the West in regard to government is not the same in China.
1: The system of government, but also I think that I want to get into this notion of what we define human rights as. I think there's a very different conception of human rights here in the United States than the Chinese Communist Party claims as a human right in China. I have read something about the four freedoms or something where one of them, for example, is your your right to uh, your right to obey the Communist Party, <laughs> and and your right to agree that everything that President Xi says is is accurate. So you have a right to obey, right? But those are not what we would think of in the West as human rights, Reggie.
2: Well, in the West, uh, like in the United States, the United States was was founded by people who believe in God, and they said that um, that we find these things self-evident that people have unalienable rights. They're unalienable because they come from God and that no government has the right to to abrogate these rights, to violate these rights. Now, in in contrast, the Chinese Communist Party is officially atheistic and they believe that, basically, they've put themselves in some ways in the place of God. They believe that they're the one who defines human rights and if they decide to give somebody a right, then they have a right. And if they decide to take... The right away, then they don't have the right because they're the ones who decide what rights people have.
1: So the authority, not from God, from the state.
2: Exactly, and and that makes everybody sort of an appendage of the state.
1: Huchin, do you do you have a what's your view on this? You you're you're a close observer of this for the, through Voice of America. What do you how do you how would you characterize well this, uh, this, the this concept issue? of
0: human rights? Yeah interpreted by the Chinese government is totally different from what we think and what we're used to in the West. They stress the most important aspect of human rights is the right to survive. Mm. If the Chinese people survive, then they have human rights. It's ridiculous. They do not believe you have the right to think freely to speak freely, they think, if you think differently, if you avoid dissent, you are an enemy of the Chinese Communist Party, as bad as that. It's a crime to say different things other than the Chinese Communist Party to post comments on the internet, Mm -hmm. so basically, they put a tape on your mouth.
1: Well, aren't there something like 500,000 internet police based in uh, in and around Beijing?
0: Maybe more in and around Beijing, but over the whole country, who knows? Well, Millions. We, we were. And they all
1: get paid 50 cents. There's a phrase for those, 50 centers. <laughs> for their for their comments on, I've had a few uh, YouTube comments from 50 centers. So welcome to the show.
0: hope they get a raise 52 cents cents, you may get a dollar for this one
1: (laughs) well chung how you're an extraordinarily courageous man to step up and take on these issues when you're in your 20s and you paid the price for it Uh, how many other people are there like you in china if this is if, if, if these if these abuses are so pervasive is there a is
0: there
1: an under
3: undercurrent of resistance in the country? Oh, what 从中共每年花费的用来对付自己人民的维稳经费比国防开支还要高，甚至到现在，共产党就不敢公开每年花在控制中国人民的这个维稳经费是多少。这个数字来看，实际上中国的这种反抗、争取人权的行动是越来越强烈，尤其是在民间。The
0: resistance has always been there, and with the development of social media and the internet, people in China are now understanding and are now knowing more and more about the international society, about human rights and democracy. Therefore, the resistance is becoming bigger and more vigorous. That's why the Chinese Communist Party spent enormous amount of money on maintaining social stability. And these days, they don't dare even to let the outside world know how much money they spend on maintaining social stability.
2: Well, uh, you had asked if there's other people like Wang Cheng in China, and no. the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, he is one of a kind. So, I mean, I would not disagree with anything that they just said in terms of that the, the resistance is building because uh, there are more and more people knowing it through the internet. But I will say that finding somebody who will stand up to the Chinese government from Chinese soil is very rare. And he went to jail for four years for doing it. We're not, we are not—we haven't even talked about how he was under house arrest, how he and his wife were tortured, their ri- ribs were, were broken. All kinds of horrific things happened to them. And then once he escaped, his, his family was persecuted, tortured horribly. This is what happens to people who dare to expose the atrocities of, of what's going on in, in China from Chinese soil. Um, there's one other person that I know of, and I don't, I don't know what his name is, but someone whose wife was forcibly boarded late, late term felt he and his wife were so totally... Uh, shattered by this experience. They decided that they didn't care whether they would die. And so he went and started documenting the forced abortions, forced sterilizations, and other horrible things that were happening around his area and got them out to the United States. And then I I got a hold of them. That was the basis of my first testimony in the U.S. Congress. But that's the point people have to get to, because anyone who who accuses the Chinese government of a human rights violation from Chinese soil, will be heavily persecuted, and their families and neighbors. Um, and they have to get to the point where they just feel like they don't care whether they live or whether they die. They're just going to tell the truth.
1: Well, I think Guan Cheng's made the point also that a lot of the people have been forced out of the country. I mean, I think the view is that if, if you're going to be a dissident, uh, you're not going to stay in China. So the people have not necessarily been imprisoned in China, but mm-hmm. they've been exiled.
3: 实际上能够有机会出来的以及對整個你的家庭是你家族的不可手段的打擊。可能這樣的故事 能夠真正傳出來讓全世界了解中共是怎麼打擊民間社會的,這個我覺得還我們還是有想辦法讓更多的人了解這整個過程.
0: Actually there have been only a few people who could leave China. Most of the most of the human rights defenders in China still suffer a lot the Chinese Communist Party spares no way spares no methods to persecute all these human rights defenders and it is really very very hard for these people to withstand all the suffering both emotionally and physically
3: 嗯, 那中共既然用法律把他送进监狱 Right. Guang
0: Cheng says, "This is like what I went through in China. They treated me with a lot of violence, very harshly. But I'm I was determined not to succumb to those pressures. And they they threw me into prison in the name of law. So I fought them with." what they call their law and uh, finally they did not reason with me they didn't talk about law with me they just gathered some hooligans in the prison to beat me up and i suspect several of my ribs were broken when they beat why, me why
1: did they let you live
0: ah
3: uh, example, 他找一些医生来 我覺得中共呢就是說最後畢竟已經為國際社會關注的力度非常大,它不能直接的就是說灌上這樣的藥讓我在監獄裡出現問題,但是它是試圖用這樣的就是軟手在比如說啊我給你吃藥,你治病呢,你吃了以後發生狀況,它可能就說啊沒問題。I
0: can say they didn't try that, they tried various ways to torture me. Uh, let me give you an example. I suffered from stomach troubles, and I vomited quite a bit, so they sent a doctor to see me, and he prescribed medicine. And uh, it so happens that I studied medicine as well, and I, I knew if I took his medicine, there would be holes in, in my stomach. Okay. In other words, I would die. Basically, the reason that I didn't die in prison was because of the attention the whole international society was given to me and people like me in China. If I died in prison, it would cause an uproar in the international society.
1: mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. Well, we've touched on this. I mean, the, the infanticide or the gender side is, is, the, is a real war on women, but what about the status of women generally in uh, China?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think that um, there's a lot of domestic violence in in China. And another thing that people don't even think about in terms of the one-child policy, the, the hidden victims are widows. So we're dealing with gender side at the beginning of life and then widows at the end of life. Uh, because of the one-child policy, the population has gone down, and now the elderly population has zoomed up, and the suicide rate among elderly is, uh, has, has has zoomed up 500% in the last 20 years in connection with the one-child policy. China has the highest female suicide rate of any country in the world. And in the Chinese countryside, we have three times the number of women as men killing themselves. So-
1: well, it, and, it, and it seems like this this whole, one of the aspects of this is, this is a real dismantling of traditional Chinese culture. That's right. I mean, the, the civil society, the family, the, the respect, the taking care of the elders. I mean, the Communist Party has really destroyed the fabric of the traditional society.
2: Yes, because in, in traditional society, you know, a farming couple, like in, in the rural areas, would have a lot of children, and they would have a lot of children. And then when the original couple got older, the extended family, would help them in their old age, and they venerated the elderly. And now, with the one-child policy, you'll get a situation where you have a couple; each of them is their is an only child. They have to support four parents, eight grandparents, themselves, and their one child or their two children, and they just can't do it financially. So the elderly are just being abandoned, and they are killing themselves.
1: So the net effect of this is that I mean, one of you think about the extreme of the states. They take 1984. You want to isolate the individual and you don't have to give the indiv- have no, have the individual have no other support no family no extended family no civil society institutions no religion it's just you and the state and that's seems like where this is going and
3: has gone yeah 让中国人对于生命的尊重完全的丧失了
0: The most severe damage communism has done to China, especially the one-child policy has done China, is to lose the respect for life, for human life. Mm -hmm. In old China, people believe people's lives matter. It is as important as the heaven itself. But this concept is gradually fading. This is the worst damage that communism has done to the Chinese culture and Chinese society.
3: 实际在中国道期中国也是一个圣權文化的国家。他们也相信上天有这个圣權,来宫有这个人类。他们也不就是说,如果你做了坏事,你可以让人不知道,但你没办法让人不知道。但是,共产党, truly,我就宣传说人,根本就没有什么圣權,我们人就是说,我知道,那你就什么都没有了,所以你不要管别的,你就, 你就不管来事, 不管将来, 你就尽管他做, 你想做的, in old
0: China, people believed in religion. In religion, mm-hmm. they believed there is God up there watching people, watching what you do. But these days, because of the rule of the Chinese Communists. People do not believe in God anymore. They don't think God is omnipresent. You can do bad things and still get away with it. You don't care about your next life. You only care about the present, about the benefits of what you are doing to yourself. That's the most fundamental change in Chinese culture after the rule of the Chinese
1: communists? Well, just, I, this, is, this is extremely sobering, because I think as Americans, we thought that you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, we open up the doors to trade and bring people in to do business in China, um, trade with the China, let the Chinese come here and have Confucius centers and do things like that, that we would we'd be creating a Western liberal democracy and it seems like instead of going uh, towards that, it's gone just the opposite direction.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Xi Jinping is <clears throat> is possibly the most repressive ruler since Xi Trump. Xi is
1: the current president.
2: The current president. And just president. made
1: himself president for life Well, he he, he
2: he abolished term limits, basically. I mean, President Trump joked that Xi Jinping is like king, okay? But it's not funny because if you're president for life, how's that difference from, from being king? I mean, he basically has absolute power, and he's gotten himself in a situation that he will have it for the rest of his life.
1: But you say he's, okay, so he's grabbed the power, but he's made it, he's, if anything, he's worse than what it would had come before.
2: Yes. I mean, Hu Chen, would you like to address that? Would, yeah,
1: Hu Chen, w- would you weigh in?
0: Yeah. Xi Jinping basically has grabbed power for the rest of his life, and which is very, very dangerous. He has no check and balances on him. And worst of all, he has a whole bunch of lieutenants around him who tell the Chinese people he is the greatest leader in the Chinese history, even greater than Mao Zedong, even greater than Deng Xiaoping. And all the Chinese people are urged to study Xi Jinping's thoughts, his speeches, his quotations, and there's real danger that China would plunge into a second cultural revolution.
2: Absolutely. People
0: overlook this. They Mm. say, well, the Chinese nation suffered a lot through the cultural revolution. This cannot happen again. Cultural revolution. I tell people, it's a real reality. It's very possible another cultural revolution will come and Chinese nation will endure even harsher difficulties, greater sufferings than during 1966 and 1976.
2: Reggie, Well, I was gonna just add to what Hu Chen was saying about uh, that that people are being encouraged or urged to study uh, Xi Jinping thought. Well, because of cell phones and computers, They're being monitored about whether they are studying this thought. And if they are looking at the wrong things, it can affect that. They have these social credit scores.
1: Yeah, let's talk about social credit. They
2: have these social credit scores, which if you have a high score, you'll be able to do things like travel, borrow money, uh, not be detained. If you have a low social credit score, you can be uh, restricted in terms of your travel. You You might lose your job. You... Uh, will not be able to borrow money.
1: How is it monitored and what are they monitoring?
2: Okay, so one of the things I was just mentioning to begin with that they were monitoring is if you go on the websites where you have Xi Jinping thought and you read his thoughts and you read his speeches, your social credit score will go up.
1: So they're watching you on the Internet. So totally, they're watching what pages very you look scary. at. scary. Yeah. They know what
0: you are watching and what you are saying, literally. So I have friends telling me at night... They open their cell phone and go to a certain app and leave it open. And next morning, their work unit tell them, you did, you did well last night. You studied for three hours. They know what you are doing.
1: Well, you, you, you said something that I find interesting. The Chinese, I think of the Chinese as being very, very, very bright and clever, in many ways and and it seems to me like you've got a pervasive communist party 27 million surveillance cameras social credit it seems to me though the people are going to begin to game the system i mean how and you know how 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 much control can they really exert and uh, anyway I'm reggie uh, this is uh, this is uh, is well,
2: it- Hu Chen was just talking about a way to game the system, which is to leave your app open for all night, and then you come, come to work the next morning, and they say, hey, good job, you're up reading you know, Xi Jinping Thought all night. But that's, that's not, that's, that's no, not going really very yeah. effective. You know, it's like you can game the system in a, a very small way, but you can't game it in such a way that, they, that, that you get, go off the grid and are able to sort of uh, live your life and think, think your own thoughts.
3: 实际上在中国我差一点他们通过几亿个摄像头
0: Guangcheng says, one thing that horrifies him is that the Chinese communist regime is utilizing technology and science that they get from the West to control its own people. He says, the Chinese government signed a contract to use nine man-made satellites from the West through a company in Hong Kong to control The Chinese people, especially they use the technology of facial recognition and movement recognition. If any undesirable person goes to Beijing, no matter what kind of clothes he wears, he will be recognized.
3: So, from the years, to the the since the
0: 1990s, the United States government and some other Western governments believed that if the Chinese economy developed, its democracy Mm -hmm. would grow as well. But actually, what they have been doing is to help the Chinese communists to become bigger and stronger and in a better position to control the Chinese people.
2: Right. We thought that we were opening the door to democracy Mm -hmm. by... Uh, getting the most favored nation status. Although I have to say that was <laughs> that was to be one of the most appalling things is that when um, all, all the way up until the Clinton administration, whether it was a Republican or a Democrat in office, um, most favored nation or our trade relationships with China was predicated upon their human rights record. And under the Clinton administration, that became delinked. Most favored nation from um, human rights in China, and so now the, we have very little bargaining power with them. Yeah, for,
1: for years, this was all, talking about human rights was off the table. Yeah.
2: Right, and so, and so the, we're, we're dealing with the results of that now. Yeah. But, the, but the whole idea of maybe bringing them in, helping them economically, helping them open up to be you know, a more capitalistic society, hoping then that that would translate into greater human rights has actually backfired. And what it's done is it is fueled and funded an increasingly totalitarian repressive regime. And
0: the Chinese communists believe basically Western people and their governments are naive. They're easy to be manipulated, and they're easy to be conceived, conceited.
1: You've been reading my Yahoo chat board, this, <laughs> or not the, uh, the YouTube so chat board. I that's, will that's say, what, that's w- the wake up yeah.
0: and open, open yeah. up our eyes. You cannot tolerate evil. You, you cannot know. treat okay. evil with kindness.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I have a question for hu Chen. And Guangcheng, which is um, what would you say about the US China trade deals? Is it right to be hard on them? I mean, and and what is the history of China in terms of actually um, being uh, faithful to their promises? You know, I mean, is it the case that they will make a treaty with a country? The idea being, oh, well, this country is naive, and we'll make a treaty with them, get get the benefit of the treaty, knowing that down the line, they're going to actually break their
0: side
3: of the deal. I think if 中国的政,
0: From the point of view of human rights, most of the Chinese people would support the United States to sanction Chinese government and especially the Chinese Communists. If they do not have the amount of money that they have now, they cannot
3: control the Chinese people indefinitely. Also, there is the Since the 1990s, the Chinese communists
0: have been stressing the huge market in China, and the Chinese government has been flaunting their orders saying, we can buy big things from you but from the ongoing trade war between the US and China we can tell that the US government US market is more important than the market in China.
3: 對,所以中國呢這幾年以來就說它壯大了以後,它不僅在中國控制人民的思想, 在中國批命的拆教堂,毀這個 毀這個家庭教會, 它同時也把矛頭伸到了美國來。中共花很多钱来控制美国的媒体 As the
0: Chinese Communist Party gets stronger over the past some years, past few years, they are doing all the bad things in China to its people, including dismantling churches and disbanding family churches or some people say underground churches. At the same time, they have extended their arms to this country. They're spending big money to control the media and also universities, research institutions. Do not allow them to say bad things in China. A few years ago, I talked about Chinese infiltration and control in this country and I received a lot of criticism. A lot of them come from U.S. scholars, but now people believe this is indeed what's been happening.
1: So the the control extends not just within China, but throughout the world. Oh, absolutely! And it's pervasive, and we have in the PR front. I guess we have Confucius Institutes, and uh, but the Confucius
2: Institutes are 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 propaganda arms of the Chinese government, where they're trying they give they give different schools or universities these Confucius Institutes, and the university says, "Okay, this is great. They're they're all self funded. We can now offer Chinese." But what they're doing also is offering propaganda. Is that correct? Mm
0: -hmm. That's absolutely true.
2: Okay. And and another Mm -hmm. problem is. That a lot that that the scholars, the Chinese scholars, or the Americans who want to do scholarship in China, a lot of the China, the Chinese departments and universities are partially funded or heavily funded by the Chinese government. That can yank you know your funding if you if you criticize them, and they can certainly yank access. Like if a scholar, um, scholars can criticize China, on a number of bases. Um, for example, with, with respect to the one-child policy, you you can. Criticize China on a de- demographic basis. You could say, this is bad for China. Look at the aging population. Look at the way that the, look, that the workforce is flowing. But you cannot say you are forcibly aborting people. Okay. If you do that, if you step over that line, then a scholar runs the risk of, of not being allowed back into China. So they're silencing from the West um, the voices of criticism to, to China and even freedom of scholarship.
1: Hmm.
2: Educate, you know, Academic freedom is compromised.
1: Well, they, didn't they recently, I guess they've closed about 100 Protestant Christian churches, but didn't they also reach an agreement with the Holy See, the Catholic Church, that China would now be appointing the bishops? Yeah, okay. And that the Holy See gets, uh, I guess it gets veto rights, but it, that doesn't sound like... Uh,
2: well, yes. Okay, so as as a Catholic, I'm very, very concerned about this, Um so China and the Vatican came to an agreement. The Catholics said that, this, that they wanted to unify the underground church with the official church. But what's been happening is no one has disclosed what's in that agreement. And the Chinese government has been um, abusing that secrecy by going around to Catholic churches and saying, the Pope says that you need to, to be shut down or, or destroying Catholic shrines. And, and the Catholics have undergone tremendous persecution since that agreement. Uh, and, and they can't defend themselves because no one knows what's actually in the agreement.
1: Well, how many Christians are there in China? Is it 10 50 million? I've 50 seen a
0: figure that says there are about 200 million Christians 200. in China. We don't know the exact number.
1: Well, that's significant. That's 15%.
0: Yeah, that includes people... Well, population's
1: in, about a billion three, so yes. you're... 1.4. Yeah, 1.4. Yeah,
0: 4. And I've 12%. seen a scholar that says China will become the biggest Chris, Christian country in about 20 years.
1: So China, Christianity is growing in China. It's
0: growing, despite all the persecution and crackdown.
2: Or maybe because of the persecution. You know, it's said yeah. the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, so... The, the Chinese government has knocked down thousands of crosses um, across China. And the, it's just, there was, there was an incident where they were um, bulldozing a church and a pastor's wife and others were trying to stop the bulldozer. And she actually got bulldozed and she was killed by the bulldozer. So she died trying to stop her church from being knocked down.
0: There will be martyrs. There are true believers. There are some other people who I do not believe that they're quite sincere when they say they're Christians. But we do believe there are a lot of sincere believers in China.
2: Absolutely, because anybody who survives the persecution of China is, is a re- refined like gold.
1: So there's so much to get into here, particularly The Americans really don't understand or know much about, but in the interest of sort of wrapping this show up before we get on to our next show, as I'm sure there will be, uh, where do you see this going? I mean, is the Chinese Communist Party vulnerable in any sense? Uh, uh, Five years, ten years, fifteen, you know, where are we in the trajectory?
3: I think it's like China's future future. 那么在这个民主化的过程中那么共产党控制中国两个手段 一个是谎言, 一个是暴力, I can surely say
0: that the future of China is democratization. How soon and how it will happen depends on how the Western countries perceive China and understand China. There are a lot of people in China who do not believe the Chinese government anymore. And uh, the Chinese Communist Party has always controlled the country and its people through two things. One is lies, the other one is violence. Now their lies don't work as well as in the past. So they're resorting more and more to violence. That means people's resistance will become more and more fierce. The Chinese Communist Party is throwing money everywhere th- every, everywhere throughout the world. It, the Western government should have a clear understanding of what the Chinese Communist Party is doing and adopt very good policies toward China.
1: That's so well said, and I think with that we'll end this conversation. Reggie Littlejohn? Uh, Guanchong Qin, Qin Guanchong, and uh, Hunan Shang, Reggie.
2: Oh, I just want to say there is one little note of hope here because the whole thing with, with China—that sounded is,
1: like a note of hope.
2: Uh, yes, that's true. But um, we're we're inside of China, actually saving baby girls and widows. We're the only organization that has a network on the ground inside of China that is able to save these baby girls from from uh, gender side and these widows from suicide. So. Well, two,
1: two, I have three plugs. Oh, one is for you and your organization. Talk about that. And where can we find you?
2: Oh, okay. Thank you. My my organization is Women's Rights Without Frontiers. And we um, are an advocacy organization. I spent years advocating for Chen Yuan Chen's release. So I was a leader of the international movement of that. And uh, so so that was that's part of our advocacy. And we also are the main ones who were exposing the truth that China was continuing to force abort, uh, to forcibly abort women when they were denying it. And then we also have um, boots on the ground inside of China where we're the only organization in the, in the world that I'm aware of that is actually able to get we're inside of China saving baby girls from sex selective abortion and saving abandoned widows from destitution and possible suicide. Um, so that's that's what we do.
1: You're 501c3? we
2: 501c3 nonprofit organization. And
1: we can contribute to you on your website? You
2: can go to Women's Rights Without Frontiers and just click Save a Girl or Save a Widow and you can contribute to one of those um, campaigns. It's the only way that you can actually go to, the, your money will go to the door of a, of a family, of a baby girl or of a widow and actually help them very directly.
1: Terrific, that's, yeah. that's and then uh, we have a book, uh, The Barefoot Lawyer that uh, Guan Cheng has written. It's a wonderful book, describes your, your, uh, your journey through China and your imprisonment, and your escape and the work you've done uh, since then and, and gets into a lot more uh, depth and uh, emotional detail than uh, we're able to cover in this show, but it's, it's wonderful and I highly, highly recommend it. It's on Amazon, I own the Kindle version uh, recommended. And uh, Hu-Cheng Zhang, thank you so much for joining uh, Voice of America. What, uh, what, what is your, uh, uh, what, what we can say about Voice of America and what it's doing in China?
0: Also, <laughs> well, there's a lot of controversy uh, about what Voice of America is doing in China, but that's a long story. Basically, we try to Reach the Chinese people with news of what's happening in China and and in the United States. And uh, Voice of America has been broadcasting to China for seventy-five years and more. And I hope this tradition will go on.
1: Great. Well, thank you, and uh, thanks for joining me. And this has been uh, this has been a tremendously interesting and I hope uh, hopeful discussion we've had about China and its future. So. Thanks for joining.
0: Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at the billwaltonshow.com or on iTunes.
2: Amazon is hiring near you. Earn a competitive wage and start as soon as 7 days. No resume or experience required. Health and safety are a top priority with all of our roles and sites. And Amazon is taking precautions in our buildings to keep people healthy. Go to amazon.com slash apply. That's amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.